0: Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, We are in uh, just the last few weeks of our You Asked For It series. Uh, And before we hop into y'all's questions that you submitted, Uh, I wanted to just tell you about a few things, okay? Next week, uh, I uh, will not be answering your questions. I will be asking your questions. We have a guest speaker. His name is Toby. He's from Trinity Baptist over in Yukon, and and I'm really excited to get to ask somebody questions instead of having to uh, answer questions. I'm really excited for that, Uh, but you do not want to miss next week. He's going to do a great job. I'm really excited about what uh, we're going to hear from Toby and how he's going to answer some of the questions that you guys have. Uh, and today, before we hop into that first question, I feel like I've said this every week, and I'm going to continue to say it. Uh, I am not the authority. All right, God's Word is the authority on what is going on. God's Word is what has the final say. It's not about me or anybody else with the microphone or anybody else with the platform. It's about God's Word. And so our first question, um, we're just starting off with the heavy hitting. As you remember, we've, we're turning them up every week. And so here's our first question. All right, and this is, we don't want to go with what, how we feel about this. Uh, we want to go with what God's word says. So God's word is the, all right, you guys are reading the question. You got me. All right, here we go. First one, hard hitting. How many licks does it take to get to the center, uh, the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? Okay, Uh God's word is not very clear on this one, okay? I'm just gonna shoot straight with you. We don't, we don't have a, a clear answer in scripture there. Uh, so uh, if this was your question, uh, God's word and science and reason are not really uh, opposed to one another. I think they actually work together. And so if you will submit your findings to us, we will accept those and we will share them with everybody. Everybody good? Is that a satisfactory answer? We'll let somebody uh, lick that sucker and see how long it takes to get to that tootsie roll center. All right, question number two. We're moving quick today. All right. Do you have capabilities to do a Facebook Live for service? Uh, No, not currently. We do not. Uh, We are looking to get there, uh, but live streaming can be a challenge to do well. Uh, We want to do everything to the best of our abilities, and so we just want to continue to level up as we go. Uh, To quote Sam Presti, all right, the great Sam Presti, uh, he talked about, was asked about the Thunder and their playoff hopes, and he said, Uh, We don't want to make a playoff appearance. We want to make an arrival, okay? So I feel that same way about our live stream. We could probably piecemeal something together, but we want to do something good, put our best forward for God. And so we don't want it to be an appearance. We want it to be an arrival, okay? So we're gonna get there. We're just not there yet. All right, now we're getting to the real questions, all right? Some more meaty ones. Question number three, why does the world continue to move away from God? Why does the world continue to move away uh, away from God? Uh, and this question, I think, is, is a good one. So uh, if we kind of step back and think about it, it makes sense uh, for the world over time to become uh, more worldly, right? Uh, that, that makes sense. The world is going to become more like the world. Uh, and in 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5, it says this, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times. And we should have these on the screen so they can see them too. Uh, So in the last days, there will be very difficult times. Go one more slide. I think we got this one up there for them. We got it. All right. In the last days, there'll be very difficult times. Next one, verse two. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, and they will consider nothing sacred. I think we got two more here, two or three more. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. So it said in the last days, and we, we've talked about the end times before, right? Uh, we're closer than we've ever been because guess what? We're always gonna be closer than we've ever been, okay? And so uh, it's, that's where we're headed. That's what it talked about. I think that described the world that we live in. We're filled with ourselves. We wanna act religious, but we don't actually want the power of God to move in us. And so I think um, in this room, I'm not talking to the world. I'm talking to the church, all right? The, the body of Christ, that is the church. And so I think... Um, the body of Christ, the church, is supposed to be the light of the world. We're supposed to be reflecting Jesus, right? And that's, that's where our light comes from is him, his love, his unity. And so perhaps, perhaps a better question would be, why has the church made it difficult for people to move towards God? Instead of why does the world continue to move away from him, why, why does that happen? Why have we made it difficult for people to move towards God? Uh, because I just think the first place when we were... Fi- faced with any issues in life, the the first place we should look is to ourselves. What can we do? How can I change? Um, So what would it look like for the church to make it easier for people to move towards God? Uh, And I'm not saying pulling punches when it comes to what we believe, uh, but I'm just saying maybe punching people who don't believe in Jesus isn't the best way to influence them. Like, I just just think that's how it goes. I don't think that's the best way uh, to get after it. So in Matthew 5, it says this in verses 43 through 46. "Uh, You have heard the law, that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Verse 46, if you only love those who love you, What reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. So what would it look like for the church to genuinely love those that our culture says are our enemies? And I just, I think it's easier for anybody to build a platform, to build a church, to build a following, to build a, a TV a station, a show, to build a, a social media following. It's easier to build something when you got people that you say, we're against X. It's just easier to draw a crowd like that. I think it's, it's easier for people to get around that because they have a common enemy. And so what if, right, we're not known for what we're against, but we're known for what we're for. So the church should be for Jesus. And he tells us to love everybody always. And that can be messy, all right? That can absolutely be messy. It's not always uh, clear cut and just easy. Uh, but that's how we shine a brighter light in the kingdom is that even when we disagree with people and we disagree with people over things that we, that we value deeply, we should do so in ways where they can see that we are different. And we're not gonna demonize them just because we have a difference of opinion. And even though our opinions are, are rooted in scripture and in the word, there's things that we deeply value if we can't have that kind of conversation, if we can't love those people, I think maybe we've missed uh, the ship. I think uh, instead of being right, we need to love those people, right? Because we try to feel like we have to be right. And we need to love those, even if we disagree with them. (laughs) All right, this next one's really fun. Um, Our church is in the people business or the Jesus business. Uh, seeking the money influencer or the soul in, influencer, do they go hand in hand? All right. Um, thanks for that question, whoever that was. Okay. Um, so I, I want to break it down kind of this question that they have. We are in the Jesus people business. Okay. The, the Jesus people business. So, so uh, I guess that first part, yes. Uh, our, our mission statement, it's right over here on this wall, if you can read it, but uh, we exist for everyone, everyone to know Jesus and to become more deeply and intimately acquainted uh, with him. We want people to know Jesus. That's what we're about. That's our mission. That's why we exist. Uh, So we can't take just Jesus Jesus business or the people business, because I think Jesus is in the people business. He wants people to know about him. He wants a relationship with him. And then the second part there I want to get into is I'm not a huge fan of the word business because uh, I think it has a negative connotation to it, right? Um, like, like we're trying to fix people, right? People aren't projects. Projects are things that you fix up. Uh, people aren't to be fixed. People, human beings, they're to be loved. That, that's what we're called to do. We're not called to fix people. We're called to love them. And so that, that next part of the question, seeking the money influencer or the soul influencer. Uh, we desire to see souls get saved. That's the work that Jesus is in. Uh, that, that's what we want. right? We, we want to see souls and lives changed, first and foremost. Uh, and then seeking the money influencer. Um, yeah, they, we don't want money. We want people to know Jesus. Uh, having said that, there's costs associated with everything that we do in this room. Um, th- to rent this building, it costs money. Our speakers cost money. Our, our trailer out there costs money. And so um, can I just pause right there and say thank you to everybody who's supporting the church and just being generous and helping us to be able to do these things to, to reach people? It's important, Okay. So uh, one of my favorite quotes about money, it's by R.C. Sproul. Uh, he's this like super smart um, theologian uh, like you would expect. Uh, he, anyways, he has this quote on money and I heard it the first time and I was expecting something really just, like he's got those mind-blowing quotes, you know, just one of those really smart guys. Uh, and someone asked him, uh, R.C., how much ministry can you do with $100? Uh, his response was, about $100 worth. Like, and I just think that's so funny, okay? Um, and I don't want to use that quote to so people think I'm trying to justify extreme spending. We need to be good stewards with what God has given us. But here's the truth of the matter. We need to leverage our resources to reach more people with the gospel, We need to leverage our resources. We need to be good stewards because God has given them to us. Not so that we can just have our own little country club, but so that we can see lives change. So do they go hand in hand? I guess they kind of do. All right. We want to use those resources to see lives change, to see God move. Next one. I'm not going to throw this one. Okay. All right. So how do you explain the idea of a triune God? So how do you explain... Uh, the Trinity. I think we have a picture. We showed this a few weeks ago. I actually didn't realize this question was coming, okay? So here's how it is. This is God, all right? The Holy Spirit is God. God the Father is God. The Son is God. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. Got it? Super easy. No, hey, uh, I, I can't say that I fully comprehend it, that I fully get it. I don't know if we ever will. I feel like I've said this every week. We're not called to be Jesus understanders. We're called to be Jesus followers, so this is, how, this is a, a graph that has been around for forever to explain kind of how we view the Trinity. I, I said this last week. Uh, it's kind of like a fidget spinner. Can you believe that all my kids, all the stuff that they have, uh, all they have is a, a fidget spinner that has five parts? It really ruined the illustration here, okay? Uh, but hey, so it's kind of like this is God, all right? There's those three spots you can see on the top right there. And he's it, got different parts. And there's the, God the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. And it's really like this. Can't do this, hold my mind. That's God, all right? Like you can't, sometimes it's hard to see which part is moving, which part is going, which part is doing what, but here's what we know is that they're all together. They are not each other. They are independent of each other, but they are all God. And again, I can't say that I fully understand that, but it's not my job to understand. It's my job to be faithful, to follow Jesus. So that's how I would explain the idea of a triune God. I I hope that makes a little bit of sense. Ooh, next one. Question six. We are blowing through these today. Being saved costs nothing and is the only path to heaven, period. Cosign, all right? Uh, do you earn credit, jewels on a crown, for the work on earth for upgrades in heaven? Um, I'm saving up for the jet back upgrade, right? That's what I'm trying to do. Now, hey, uh, the first part of that question is a statement, and that's a true statement. Uh, salvation is a gift. We did not purchase it. We did not deserve it. We did not earn it. We brought nothing to the table to receive that salvation. Uh, Jesus is the only path to heaven. We've talked about that in other weeks. And so what I want to do is read a few verses that talk about crowns and then kind of get to that is it upgrades for heaven. So James 1:12 says this. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love them. 1 Peter 5, 4 says this. It should be on the screen too. I think it's a couple slides over. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. Next one, 2 Timothy 4, 8. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Last one, Revelations 2.10. Do not be afraid for what you're about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for 10 days. But if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. Those are a few verses that, that mention crown, okay? And so the Bible isn't uh, exactly clear on those being upgrades or not, okay? Uh, I would kind of say, uh, this, is, this is my opinion, all right? I wouldn't say that those are upgrades. I would almost say that those crowns that it's mentioning are more like Boy Scout merit badges, right? Uh, have you ever seen a Boy Scout pimped out with all those on his vest? Like, I got this one, I got this one. And it's not because they got an upgrade or they got us higher classes that, hey, I went through this. It's almost like a remembering of what I did for God, And then it's gonna, I think it's going to be more indicative of how you served God while you were on this earth. And then the Bible also talks about this, uh, that they will throw their crowns at the feet of Jesus. Because you know what? Uh, I think sometimes that question, I feel like it's almost like, can I get some upgrades? Can I level up my faith? Can I be uh, the upper tier of people in heaven? And I don't think that's what it's getting at here. That I'm going to be better. There's going to be classes of people. I think it's saying uh, that because it's, it's not about us. It's about others. And so when I read these verses about crowns, I think it's, and we talk about throwing them back at the feet of Jesus. I just think when we get to heaven, it's not gonna be, I made it because of these crowns, because I did these great things. No, we made it because of Jesus. That's what our hope is in. That's where our salvation is in. And so we don't wanna make it about us because it's all about him. Anything less than Jesus is a weak refuge. That's what we're about. We're about Jesus. Question seven. Question seven the Bible has a lot of outdated rules that most Christians don't follow anymore. Why have we dismissed some and kept others? Who decided that? Just as customs change over time, like they did in the Bible, there should be some leeway, should there be some leeway for adaptations in the current world? And so we've discussed um, kind of a, a Similar parts of this question in weeks one and we two. If you've missed those, of this answer I'm about to give, doesn't fully satisfy, I encourage you to go back in and dive into those. Give it a, a deep listen because uh, we went a little deeper in there than we're going to go today. Uh, Old Testament law was something that Jewish people would follow so they would be made right with God. They'd be made right with God. And so when Jesus came, he fulfilled the law. All right, so we are no longer bound to it. So when it comes to Old Testament law, we are free from those obligations. We, we live in the age of grace, right? Where, where we get stand, right standing, not through keeping the letter of the law and offering sacrifices and all this stuff, we get right standing with God through Jesus. That's how, that's how we get right standing with God. So when it talks about uh, rules that we don't follow anymore, when it's talking about Old Testament law, we aren't bound to that anymore because Jesus came and he fulfilled that. It, the obligation has been met. We don't. We're not bound to it anymore. So that's that's why we have dismissed some. And we have kept some other things that are there in the New Testament. Uh, second part of that question: Should there be leeway for adaptations in the current world? Uh, customs change. That's very, very true. Uh, God never changes. And so in Hebrews thirteen eight, uh, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and emphasis on forever. Next verse, verse nine. So do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food, which didn't help those who follow them, which don't help those who follow them. All right, so that Old Testament, they had all those rules and regulations about what they could eat, what they couldn't eat. All right, Uh, (laughs) I love how it tied those two together. Like, it's not about those. Our strength comes from God's grace. Not my ability to, to toe the line and to get it just exactly right. And so again, uh, when we read Scripture, we need to see if we're allowing Scripture to shape us or, or if we're trying to scrape, uh, shape Scripture into what we want. Uh, I'll, I'll just say this, and I think I've said this before. Uh, if you've never changed your mind about something after reading a passage in the Bible, you're not actually letting the Bible shape you. You're reading your opinions into the Bible. And, and I think we do that a lot. Whenever something uncomfortable, there's something we don't like. Instead of digging in and trying to see what God is actually getting at there, try to, to learn more, to get into the Word, to get, dig deep, we tend to say, ah, eh. And we just say, I'm just not going to read that passage anymore. All right? And, and that's not all of God's Word is given to us. It's inspired by God and is useful. It's there for a reason. So we need to remember that. God designed humanity to operate in a way that leads to thriving. And when we try to decide what's best, it it leads straight to brokenness. Pursue God's design, not yours. and He's revealed to us the way we should operate through the Bible. So when there's a friction there, there's a where you think it should be this way, and God's word says this way, I just want to just encourage you. uh, Lean into what God says, even if you don't understand it, even if you don't get it. I promise you, if you'll trust him, it will work out better. All right, uh, I, got, I got three questions left, and I wanted to spend uh, some time unpacking these because uh, they're all just, they're different, but man, they are just right in line uh, with one another. And so I'm gonna read all three, uh, and then we'll, then we'll dive in. We're gonna camp out here for, for a little bit. Uh, first question, uh, why does God allow suffering, why does God allow the suffering of innocent Children. It's heavy. I feel like these just come, they kind of turn up the heel a little bit, each one. Why can, we have gone th- Why can we have gone through so much pain in our childhood and begged God to make it stop and it didn't? Last one. This one's a little long. I hope it can make sense in my question. Let's say you have two families going through the same painful, difficult situation. They both turn to God in, in prayer for guidance, strength, healing, and peace. One family receives a miracle. All their prayers are answered. The other family's situation ends in devastation. Why does one family get a miracle and the other doesn't? They both had faith that God would hear and answer their prayers None of us expect to go through life and not experience difficult times. It helps us to grow in faith and appreciate the blessings in our life. I do understand that. Sometimes the answers to our prayer is no. I don't understand why one family gets their miracle and the other doesn't. Um, so uh, the, the question is really, why? 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 Why have I gone through this? Why, is, why did I go through this as a kid? Um, and before we kind of dive in to try to, to try to unpack this as much as we can, I just want to say whoever submitted these, and I think we've all had moments where maybe we've experienced this or been near this, uh, I just want to say I'm sorry for what you've experienced. I'm sorry for the pain that you felt. Uh, and as I try to unpack these, I don't want you to think I'm trying to polish this up and just make it sound like, just cheer you up, just, just be okay, you can get it, you're good. I don't wanna diminish what we've gone through because there is some pain, there are some hard times in life and I think we have to acknowledge that. Now that life on this planet can be a gut punch sometimes. I think it's okay that we can say that as Jesus followers, that life is gonna be hard sometimes. Um, It's okay to admit that. But did you know that in the book of Psalms, about roughly a third of the, the Psalms there are Psalms of lament. Psalms of lament, and, and what they're saying is, uh, why, why is this happening to me? There's one psalm right here uh, that I want to read to you. It's Psalm seventy-four, nine through eleven. It's not on the screen, guys. Uh, this was an audible this morning. I just I had to get this on here, uh, and I think it ties perfectly into this this passage. It's seventy-four, nine through eleven. It's a psalm of lament. This is in God's word. The lamenting. We no longer see your miraculous signs. All the prophets are gone, and no one can tell us when it will end. How long, O oh God, will you allow our enemies to insult you? Will you let them dishonor your name forever? Why do you hold back your strong right hand? Unleash your powerful fist and destroy them. Um, I love the Book of Psalms. I love how just it really got there. Like I'm the the writer of the Psalm. Like I'm going through all of this, God. You got it tied up, like, release that right hand and destroy my enemies. That's, that's pretty powerful right there. And that's in God's word to, to get them, be rid of them. So I want to I start there because those questions, especially these last two questions, like, you know there's specifics to these. These aren't just like blanket statements. There's, there's pain associated with these. You can, you can hear it in these questions. And it's okay to say that life is hard, that life is a gut punch sometimes. Um, and so I want to answer this question kind of two ways uh, from 10,000 feet to get a, the theological reason why. Um, it's because we live in a broken world. Uh, sin has wrecked this planet. And, and that's why we experience heartache in, in this world. A heartache of every kind. Um, We're to be Jesus followers, not Jesus understanders. We can trust that God is a good God and that he is for us. So the big reason why we live in this broken world, it's not perfect anymore. To kind of zoom in to get a little bit more specific into the weeds, uh, I don't know why, the specific why in any of these cases. Uh, But What I'd like to do is offer just a few possible reasons, emphasis on the possible I do not want you to feel like I'm saying get over it. I want to emphasize the poss- a few possible reasons uh, why you could be going through what you're going through. Um, one possible reason is to, to minister to others. Right? So if you had a traumatic childhood, it might allow you to uniquely minister and to serve kids that have gone through or are going through something traumatic because you've been there. You've been in that seat, you've felt it, you've experienced it. So, so maybe it's because you could, you could minister to others. Uh, another possible reason, uh, maybe it's just the enemy. He's trying to make you calloused towards God. to Just harden your heart towards God. Like the enemy is doing this so that you, you'll turn away from God. Like maybe you're on a path of following him and he, he wants you to experience this so that you turn away from him, to be, to be hardened from him. Your heart wouldn't be tender towards God anymore. And one other possible reason. Maybe it's to get you right here, right now, today. Maybe you guys wouldn't be in church. Maybe you wouldn't be connected. Maybe your life would look totally different if you didn't experience some of this pain. And I'm not saying that God caused that. I'm saying maybe God used that and made something good come out of all that heartache. Because my God can do that. And so what was a setback for you in your life. God actually used it to set you up for success down the road. Take this bad thing get some good out of it. Again, those are possible reasons. I don't know the specific why, uh, other than we just live in a broken world. This, is, this world does not operate the way that God designed it to. So I want to give you just a few uh, uh, final thoughts that, that I hope will fill you with hope. Uh, and there, I got a quote here. Uh, if you're following along in the Bible app, this is actually an excerpt from an article, and you could find the article in the, in the Bible app there on the live event. Uh, but it says this, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you're aware of maybe three of them. I just think that's so true. God is doing a big work in your life. He's doing so many different things, and we're maybe aware of three of them. Uh, You just can't always see it. Would you guys put your hand up like this? Actually, like a fist a little bit. And I want you to just look through that right there, all right, and try to get my head in there, all right? Just get my head in there, if you can even see that far. All right, that's kinda hard. I can see some of you guys in the front row. Uh, There we go. That's what I think our life is like. Like, we're living life looking through this, looking at everything. Through this little bitty lens, this little bitty spot, we're zoomed in. We can only see a tiny bit of the picture. We don't see a small part of what's happening around us, and God, he sees everything. He sees it all. He sees how it's all going to work together, how he can change things, how he can move hearts. And that, that's crazy to think about. But when all we see is this and we have this small little view and we experience something hard and I do not again, I'm not trying to diminish the hard things in life. Life can be a challenge. Just trust that God sees the bigger picture and that he can make some good come out of it. Uh, one last thought I want to think about and this one is hard for me to fathom. I want you to think about time according to what God has said. Uh, let's uh, round us all up Let's say we all live, we all get 100 years on this earth, 100 years on this earth, um, and let's bounce, we're going to bounce that with eternity. So, so Jesus came, uh, and he lived on this imperfect planet, uh, and he was perfect. He died a terrible death that he didn't deserve, and then he rose from the grave. Uh, by offering himself up to everyone who will believe in him, he gave, he gave us a way to spend eternity with him. That's forever, all right? Go stand Sandlot. That's forever in a perfect place. No tears, no sorrow, no grief. Forever. What would you be willing to pay to spend forever with God? I've got this little piece of tape. It's, this is a one-inch wide piece of tape. This is going to represent your life. In the middle of the room here, there's a big black line. You can probably look down the way and see it. Uh, and it, I'm going to say 50 feet. It's a little longer than that, but I'm not good at math. So I'm going to say 50. So it makes it easy on the math. Okay. This is your life. This is one inch, say hundred years. I'm going to put it right here. Because us humans are kind of visual. We like to see things so we can get it. That's your hundred years. And because we can't fathom eternity, like it just goes on. It don't end, right? We, we don't get that in our lives. This is our life. There's about 50 feet from here to there, all right? Let's just say that's eternity. All right, so that would be, this is one inch, 50 feet. That's about 600 inches, 600 inches. So uh, one six hundredth uh, of that whole thing comes out to 0.001666667. I'm glad it came with that seven at the end, okay? Forever. That's 100 years of your life. Would you be willing to sacrifice 0.001666667% to get ninety nine point nine nine eight three 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 two percent perfect. Of course, there's no math. There's no situation where you're like, you know what, I want the 00.1. one. All right. You, you, uh, here's the great part about all this. Eternity is a lot longer than this room and the numbers get even more in your favor. And what's even better than, than that, that it goes long is that your life there, that 100 years that you have there, they can be hard. I'm not not trying to diminish that, but guess what? They could be good, too. Life can be great. God has blessed us with some great things. So when we are grieving, we have challenges in life. We shouldn't grieve like those people with no hope because we have hope. We have Jesus. We get to spend forever with God. No tears, no grief, no sorrow. Do you have that hope this morning? Do you have that? Because I can tell you... Again, I'm not trying to minimize life can be a challenge, but guess what? We got forever. Perfect. And we didn't have to do anything. It's a gift. Do you have that hope this morning? Is is Jesus your refuge? Is Jesus your place of comfort? Is Jesus your savior? Do you, do you know, like after that 100 years, do you know that I got that with him? I got forever with him. Do you know that? I'm not trying to get down anybody, but if you have questions, if you have hesitations, uh, that's what we're here for. We want to be there for you in that capacity. Um, I want to do something a little different today. I'm just feeling led uh, to do something a little different during our response time. Um, And I hope you guys will give me that that freedom uh, to do that. We're going to change it up a little bit. We're going to sing a song together. Um, And if God is working on your heart, you want to talk to someone, um, here's what we're going to do. After service, uh, I'm going to stand up here. I haven't talked to Joe or Kelsey about this. Kelsey and Joe are going to be up here. We just want to be available to come. If you have questions, you need someone to pray for you, you just want to have a specific question, want answered, whatever it is, immediately after service, we're going to be up here front and just to be available for you guys, okay? Because we want to have conversations with you. If you have questions, if you have concerns, bring them. Jesus isn't afraid of your questions, all right? There's a third of the book of the Bible that's people lamenting, having questions for God. He can handle whatever you've got. And we want to make space where you can bring those and we can talk about it. So after service, if God's dealing with you, if you're not sure about what happens After your life, the rest of that line, please come talk to me, my wife Kelsey, come talk to Joe. As soon as service ends, we're gonna be up here at the front, just hanging out. Uh, And we would love to connect with you about whatever God is doing, whatever God is stirring in your heart. That's literally what we wanna be here for. We wanna do that. So what I want to do is if, if you guys will stand, we're getting ready to worship. I'm going to sing one last song. Give it all up to God. Let him work in your heart. And if you need to talk to someone right after service, please come up here and talk to us. Let's worship together.